0: listening to the Taming Hinges podcast, conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast, real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances Podcast, as always. My name's Phil, I'm the host and creator of the podcast, and I have another episode for you. And uh, this episode is brought to you again by some tarot cards. Um, I decided to continue with this, this, uh, this idea of pulling some tarot cards to come up with a topic for the episode, uh, so I did that with uh, episodes forty-three and forty-four, the last two episodes, uh, Love and Faith, and I did it again today. And today's topic of discussion is purpose, and it's it's a little it's a, it's multifaceted in some ways. I, I'm entitling this one Purpose. We're going to go over what purpose is as far as definitions, but I'm going to bring in some other uh, some other words here, some synonyms and some antonyms um, to kind of give us. A better understanding of what I think the cards were kind of telling me that, you know, something that needs to be discussed. Because as far as I go with this, you know, this adventure, this, this, um, I don't even know what to call it anymore, this delving into what spirituality is, I just keep returning to it's personal. It's just a very personal thing. So it's almost impossible to define spirituality to an individual because it is the individual. Your spirituality is going to be your own. Mine's going to be mine. Someone else is going to be theirs. And the interactions between those things are something we don't see very often. We often like to say that, you know, spirituality clashes when it comes to religious beliefs. And, you know, I think it's bullshit. I really do. I think that's part of the lie. I think that's part of keeping people separated, keeping people apart from one another. Saying that somehow you know, your religious belief structures, the things you should, you know, have faith in, the things that you have faith in somehow separate you from someone else. When it's completely the opposite. Remember, I've talked multiple times about duality actually being Trinity. And in this case, specifically when I talked about love two episodes ago and I said how, you know, I don't believe love has anything to do with spirituality. It's just a conceptual idea. It's just a, a functional way of expressing something, seeing something, interacting with something. It's not a spiritual practice. It may affect spiritual nature, but it's, it's not a spiritual, it's a conceptual idea it has nothing to do as it's not a principle of action or principle of of the system known as humans. I mean, I've gone a great majority of my life without this idea of love. Like, it, I don't think people need it to survive. I think we get it mixed up that this thing known as love is sexual by nature. It's... Um, it's respecting someone or it's, it's an amalgamation and it's in a way of seeing things. It's easier to coerce and corrupt that idea than it is just to be good to someone just, you know, just to be um, polite in some cases, you know? So, you know, barring going back into that topic, because I've already discussed it, looking at this thing known as spirituality and how we constantly, I mean, constantly, use it as a separation factor in today's modern society is it's not only problematic it's a lie it's an absolute lie because like i was talking about with duality and trinity the the thing behind this is that that, that religious structure is a conceptual idea really it's just a technique it's not even conceptual by nature it's it's a technique It's just a way of seeing something, a way of understanding, a way of looking at the canonical writings, looking at human history, looking at, you know, possibilities of where we came from, where we're going, what made us. It's just an interpretation. And that's a technique. That's nothing more than a technique. And techniques are base level understandings of things. So base level that any conceptual idea will just trump it. And love is a conceptual idea. So love does trump you know or or supersedes or or works in all facets of techniques it's it's a conceptual idea love can be applied to someone's religious you know understanding and and that's organized religion not faith remember i make a i make a massive distinction between religion and faith everyone everyone should define their own faith for themselves and define their own beliefs for themselves. And yes, it can have religious nature, but organized religions are dangerous and we should really look at them very hard to see if what we actually agree with their actions and their intentions. Remember, I, I put a big stressor on being aware of intentions because that's what self awareness is a part of attention to intentions and, as we delve deeper into ourselves, we can delve deeper into the organizations and the things outside of ourselves, as above, so below. Her, Hermes Trismegustus, the microcosm versus the macrocosm. They're very similar and they work, you know, typical to each other. So, as much as we can gain self awareness of ourselves, we can also gain then awareness of other, of everything outside of that. So, diving into this spirituality thing, again, I keep coming back to it's just such a personal idea. But with that is the duality that it's not. And the conceptual, you know, reasoning there is easily mistaken. That somehow your religious structure makes you different from someone else because you believe something different than them. You believe a different interpretation. And yes, it gets into the ugly world of popular opinion and, and, and you know, w- what is the correct answer? Well, there's no correct answer. That's the answer. The answer is there's no answer. And it's hard for some people to not just grasp that, but to like accept that. Cause it, that's a tough thing to accept that there is no answer. The answers, there's no answer. Some people struggle with that to a great deal. Others, you know, they, they take it with stride, but I, I think it, it picks at just about Anybody, it pokes at them a little bit that the answer is there's no answer because it's a duality factor. The real thing, the thing that's always hidden from us is the Trinity. It's, it's the, what is the coin in this situation? Remember yin yang, it's just the measurement of two sides, but that, that thing is a coin, you know, we can be measuring light. And on one side we have no light known as darkness. And the other side we have really bright light, something like the sun. It's just a measurement structure. Without one, you, you can't even measure the other. But the, the coin itself there is light. And the same thing goes with religions and spirituality. And It's just a coin. What's your measurement of that coin? That's the side you're on. It doesn't make you different from someone, though. Because everyone's measuring that coin all the time. They're constantly trying to figure it out. And that's where our topic for today comes in. Purpose. Because a lot of times these ideas of faith and belief in our community and our, our religious leaders, they're trying to give us a purpose. Even your teachers in school try to give you a purpose, you know, the purpose to learn something, the purpose to better your life, the purpose to all of these different possibilities of purpose. So what really goes into it? And to add the spiritual part to it, why does it matter? So let's start with a definition, um, as I like to do purpose from Merriam Webster's dictionary, something set up as an object or end to be attained. Something set up as an object or end to be attained a subject under discussion or an action in course of execution. There's also intention resolution and determination here. And this is where I'm going to step into. I'm entitling this one purpose, but we're really going to step into two other words, I think, are a little bit more on point when it comes to what, what defines this or what drives this, what, what creates this, this purpose, and how can we use it for ourselves, because that's kind of important. That's, that's really an important part of the whole situation is, <clears throat> excuse me how does one's spiritual nature control or interact with their purpose? And that's why we have to ask the why question. So again, purpose, something set up as an object or end to be attained, a subject under discussion, or an action in course of execution. Let's move on to a synonym of purpose, which is determination. And determination has quite a bit of... Definitions behind it. There's there's a lot going on there, um, so let's start with uh, that one's a law definition. That's probably not the best to do. Well, all right. So it, we'll just run through them. Uh, a, ju- a judicial decision settling and ending a controversy. Um, the resolving of a question by argument or reasoning. That's the one I was looking for. Sorry. So the definition, Merriam Webster's Dictionary for determination one uh, b is the resolving of a question by argument reasoning there's also to continue the act of deciding definitely and firmly um, so that's the act of deciding former fixed intention to achieve desired end uh, a fixing or finding of the position magnitude value or character of something kind of important for the idea of purpose so when we're thinking back you know towards determination and purpose how do they kind of go together well the two definitions I would take out of this to work in that situation um, are the resolving of a question by argument or reasoning. So that's, you know, figuring out what exactly makes us us, makes us maybe necessary is where we might use. Then also we have the, I'm oh, sorry. Uh, if, Fixing or finding of the position, magnitude, value, or character of something. That's measuring ourselves, right? That's, you know, that's measuring the factor of purpose. So determination is a measuring factor for our purpose. Uh, There's also the philosophical definition of the definition of a concept in logic by its essential constituents. That is where I'm going with, you know, when I say a singular understanding of a religion or I'm sorry, the religion, a religion is a singular understanding or a sect of a religion. I should say is a singular understanding of the canonical writings from which the history of humanity is defined. You can have Christians and inside of Christians, you can have Protestants, Catholics, uh, Mennonites on and on it goes. You can have the, you know, Muslim understanding, even that has its own sex. Judaism, they have their own sex. But even beyond that, we have all of the other different world religions that often get kind of pushed to the side because they're not one of the big ones. And some are resurging and some are coming around. There's also, you know, there's Jainism, which is probably the go to understanding for what Dharma, Karma, and reincarnation entails. Um, But along with that, comes a determination so that that is the distinction of those understandings they're just a technique those religious understandings are just a technique what is done with them is determination and that is what's defining purpose so with that in mind going into going into a antonym of decision we have vacillation and this is kind of, I'm going to get into the cards here in a second. And this is kind of where like I started, I started at the end and I always work my way back. It's just how my brain functions or just how I come around to, you know, expressing something or understanding something. So vacillation is an act or instance of vacillating. And vacillating is to waver in mind, will, or feeling. Hesitate in choice of opinions or courses. To sway through lack of equilibrium. Read that again. To vacillate, which is the act of vacillating or vacillation. To waver in mind, will, or feeling. All things that I would say are expressed through our spiritual senses as well as our physical senses. So as above, so below, this is very conceptual. Hesitate in choice of opinions or courses to sway through lack of equilibrium. Well, there's that equilibrium thing. Equilibrium is a balanced structure. So this is, I think, what a lot of people struggle with. And maybe you've never had the word to put on it. This is one of the words you can put on it to vacillate or to... To be in vacillation. To vacillate, again, is to waver in mind, will, or feeling. This is partly, actually, not even partly, this is the act of being stuck in your own mind. And that's where I I got to, you know, when I was going to the cards. So, when I was choosing cards today for this topic, I started with the... Six of wands and the six of wands is a celebratory um, representation of like a victory or a, a really a recognition of one's efforts and the, the things someone has done to do something. So this is, you know, this is you going to school. This is you getting your degree and then everyone's celebrating that with you. Um, The problem with that is if you look at at least the representation I have of, of the six of wands, the six of wands is that representation of the end of the goal of the, the, the celebration of the victory of accomplishing something. And often or not, we rely on other people for that. In this representation on this card, the individual uh, who's riding on horseback, raising their wand, and wands often look like spears, just to give you representation. Um, they're raising it the lowest. Everyone else has theirs high in the air, you know, and they're probably cheering and you know waving flags and all this stuff. And this individual is just just holding up their wand. They're not really they're not really celebrating the most. And looking at that, I, you know, I, I drew some other cards. And the next card I drew was the Eight of Swords. And the Eight of Swords is uh, the sword suit is um, representation of our 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 mental states, our the you know, things happening in our mind. And the eight of swords is a a, a woman bound, you know, outside of a, a giant castle keep in the barren, this barren land situation. Um uh, with swords stabbed in a circle, stabbed into the ground. Like, this is an entrapment. This is a representation of being trapped in your own mind, not seeing that victory, not seeing the representation of all the effort and all the things you've done. And as I kind of, you know, started to put these two things together, I I drew some other cards, and I also drew uh, the Seven of Coins. And the Seven of Coins is a representation of Sitting back, waiting, learning about, you know, what's going on, taking, taking a, almost like an inventory, you know, things are, they're progressing, but they're not there yet. It's this kind of in-between period of the harvest of, and that's kind of the representation is um, it's an individual sitting on a bench that's covered in, you know, vines and ivy and has this, you know, has a, a... shovel on their shoulder and there's these coins and coins is a representation of, of wealth or, um, fruition, you know, things coming into, you know, um, I'm lacking the word I'm looking for, but anyway, it, this is a representation of having to kind of like sit back and take inventory. Don't, don't pick the fruit yet. It's not quite ripe. Don't, don't harvest yet. The harvest isn't ready yet. You got to wait. You've done all the work. Now you got to wait. And then uh, one of the last cards I picked was the star card. And the star card is a representation of, like, taking time to heal. That, yes, you have put in all of the work, and now it's time to take time to heal. And all of these combined, I wasn't quite sure where to go with this episode yet. So I picked one last card. Um, I usually like to keep it to four. But in this case, I was just like, you know what? I think I know what's going on here, but I don't really know what's going on here. And the last card was the Four of Cups. And the four of cups is a representation of depression, of melancholy, of boredom, of of just just not looking outward. It's it's represented by an individual uh, leaning against a tree with their eyes closed, and uh, an etherical figure bringing them a cup. And a, a cup is you know these are representations of emotion and and feeling and, and actions. And, you know, it's, it's very human. You know, what the, are the cups full? Or are they empty? Um, and this individual has three cups on the ground that are, are nearly full and they're being offered another and they just, they, they're being offered another cup and couldn't be bothered. And so together all of these things brought me into a mentality of when we're stuck in our own mind, it can sometimes be nearly impossible to celebrate our victories, to look at our achievements, to even think about what the next step might be. That is clinical depression. you know. And I don't get into the world of clinical depression. I talk about depression as a, a useful tool of self-awareness, of action. And this is kind of the mixed up realm of not knowing what to do with that idea. And so this entire time, nearly 44 episodes, almost four, you know, 44 episodes, including this one of talking about self-awareness, mental health, what spirituality might actually be. I've left open the interpretation of learning about your own depression, how one might use it. And it dawns on me that just like these cards kind of represent being aware of what you've done. At some point you have to acknowledge it and you have to do something with it. And I don't know if I've ever given anyone the methodologies or possibilities to do things with their depression. I've just kind of I've just kind of spent some time explaining what I believe it is, how we can use it, but like how do you use it? So going back to purpose, I think purpose is a good representation of that. Something set up as an object or end to be attained. That covers nearly everything in our lives, from the reasons we go to school, the reasons we work hard at our jobs, the reasons we go to the gym, the reasons we study our religions further and really, you know, look at our faith, the reasons we continuously express love to our our partners, our family, our friends, the reasons we interact with our community. The it also goes to the reasons, you know, people do bad shit. There's purpose. Something set up as an object or end to be attained. Now in Buddhism, non-spiritual Buddhism, just Buddhism as a practice, they talk about the five hindrances. And I've mentioned before that this podcast called Taming Hindrances. I had the hindrances in mind when I came up with it, but it was I really had something else in mind. But it was a part of my training, my gong fu training, my you know, philosophical training, all of the things that I've represented so far in this podcast, they do have to do with these five hindrances. And part of the five hindrances is the idea of right action. And that's the, that's the trouble spot. What is right action? What is right purpose? That is a factor of spirituality in my personal opinion, because I think this acts on a a more than conceptual level. This is possible principle level idea is what is your purpose? Why are you here? What are you supposed to be doing? Why do you continue to do the things you're doing? Remember, when we start asking why questions, those are spiritual questions. And they're really deep and they're really in depth. So when we look at our purpose, I think it's important that we look at also our determinations. And the the definitions I was picking out for determination here on Merriam-Webster's is the resolving of a question by argument or reasoning. Why do you believe the things you believe? That's a question. You've got to resolve that by argument or reason. And just like in, you know, the, the six of wands, others, we often want others to celebrate our victories, celebrate our achievements so that we can recognize them. That's not how purpose works that leads us to being trapped in our own mind. That leads us to the Eight the of swords. It, it's, if all we do is allow others to define our purposes for us, we're trapped. We're empty. We don't have purpose at that point. We're, the purpose is to fulfill others' needs and although that could be your purpose in the end if you're not fulfilling your own needs it leads to a damaging destructive world a world where you can't use your depression at all because it's not yours now so i've i've come to this conclusion and i i'm a little hesitant to share it because i don't know I don't know where it leads and that's troubling because I've thought I was kind of, you know, going down the right path here, but this whole working with divination thing and allowing the cards to kind of the tarot the deck to kind of weave an understanding of what I should be talking about in each podcast episode has brought me to this new place. And this new place has this conclusion that yes, your depression is absolutely yours. It's unique to you. It's who we are. I can't understand yours, you can't understand mine, but we can definitely try. And, you know, I've talked about how that's unconditional love in some cases. And I've also figured out your depression might not be yours, it might be forced upon you. So. This is where I go on my little, one of my little rants or rambles about uh, my martial arts background. In my martial arts background, I learned of, um, there's a word that it's um, it's important on a lot of different levels. And in fact, it's actual principle idea. It's this thing known as FAT. F-A-A-T. FAT. FAT, uh, the direct translation is reality. But thought isn't, it's not set in stone. It's flowy. Um, In fact, the, the principal idea is that it does flow, that there is this thing known as flow. And that flow is controllable by any party at any time. And our willpower, our exertion, our purpose, if you will, our determination, is what will control the thought of the situation. And often, as I've mentioned many times before, the idea of war starts in the mind and and warfare or martial action is a mental simulation before it actually becomes any physical, kinetical action. And that idea of thought, of reality, and the shaping of it is solely based in determination and this principal idea of flow. And we have to learn in that sense, in the martial distinction of it. I don't know if everyone gets there with this, but, and it's, it's not easy. It took me years to kind of really come to the conclusions that I have on this. This is the expression of one's spiritual nature. Because in, in a martial situation, in in true, even in true just martial arts, the distinction of who's real and who's not comes down to fought. It comes down to this flow of reality and who has power over it. The, the idea of vacillation in this situation leads to ultimately, in you know, if this was a true martial combative situation, it would lead to a death. If someone wavers in the resolve, if they if they have an undecided action, they're going to be killed. If this, you know, if this was ancient warfare, swords and shields, and, you know, even combative hands and fists, you know, those types of things on a, on a battlefield that ends in death. Any vacillation ends in death. So you have to learn determination. And then determination gets solved by effective willpower. Because this flow of thought in the martial community, we understand it's however much you want to interact with it. And it's super multifaceted, just like purpose. So you have a lot of what's known as warrior monks, specifically in the Shaolin Temple, they are known as warrior monks. You have the Arhat, the Lohan. These are spiritual practitioners who have physical practice because they understand the mind, the body, the spiritual, the other. They know the three health bodies. This is where my understanding of these things come from. They all practice an understanding of thought and how to control it. So if one were to want to completely dominate the situation in just presence alone or prescience. They would exert their understanding, their willpower, their purpose over the thought of the situation, and thus they would impose their will on someone else. And often fights could be determined simply by that. Simply by the presence of the individual that so towers and destroys the other individual's presence that the fought now becomes, there's no need to fight. You might as well just give up. And that can creep into the other individual's mind, and that's maybe with their action that they decide, or they decide to wholeheartedly, vacillatedly go into this combat. This has been practiced not just in the martial community, but the idea of thought is what's practiced in boardrooms. It's what practiced in negotiation tactics and negotiation systems, any intimidation factor, control structures, specifically when it comes to abusive relationships. This is an understanding of thought, understanding of reality, but more than just the word reality, the idea of reality, it's the flow of it. And so someone who has strong determination, who has purpose, has better control over thought. And so if we take that and we expand that out to the idea of depression, how your depression is yours, and it's uniquely how you see the world, and you can use that to be a very powerful individual, it's also possible that you are stuck in your own mind, that you are the eight of swords. And so you aren't able to express what you want the thought to be. You aren't able to even interact with that flow. And this is where I may have failed you in these conversations, is that I never gave the representation of how to go from that state to a state in which you could start to interact with the flow of thought to understand your purpose. And I represented this in the differentiation of mind and body and how we eliminate all these why questions to better get self-awareness and mental health. But in fact, the why questions may always need to be there. Because we can't separate spirituality from our lives. Because it's our our defining pieces. It's the purpose. It's the determination. It's what drives us. The motivation. It's what gets you back into the gym every day. It's what helps you understand the decisions you just made. And if they were right, if they were wrong, it's what, what... what puts at bay the nagging questions of anxiety in your brain after you've made a decision that day, that's just eating at you. And it's, it's, you know, that's where the realm of spirituality is. It's controls the interplay between the body and the mind very much. So because it, it defines right action. It defines purpose. It defines determination. And just like I talked in the last episode about faith, this spirituality thing is what, what's been taken away from a lot of people. And in doing so, they took away, I mean, they is the Royal, they, the, the, the assholes of the world, the, you know, the power structures and the people who want to rule over you and keep you suppressed. They took that away from people. And by doing so, they took their ability to interact with fat. Interact with reality. Interact with the flow of it all. And thus they trapped you in your own mind. And a really big distinction I need to make in this this setting is to look at the intention. That's the most important part. Because if you want to say that your parents' purpose was to to control you in that way. They force you into the religious structures that you know they had and they force them upon you or or force your you know what type of job you should go get, you know, the school you should go to, the friends you should hang out with, the there's parenting, but then there's also what could have been the corruption that they also suffered. So blame is not the game I'm trying to play here. You know, don't just go get mad at someone because they were also coerced into this inability to interact with thought, to interact with the flow. A lot of people haven't waken up into this yet. And in fact, it's going to take a lot of people a lot of time to wake up to this. That yes, there are these structures that were built into the world from day one of societies that were trying to suppress your ability to interact with fat, to interact with the flow of reality and to impose yourself upon it, to impose you. And this, you know, this whole idea of purpose and determination when it comes to the martial standpoint, but also again, in the boardroom, in the abusive, you know, relationship structures and stuff like that. The game for them is to get you out of the ability to interact with fat, to interact with reality, to have no purpose because then you're stuck in your own mind. And escaping from that prison is very tough. Which is why the idea and the study of clinical depression with psychology and psychiatry and, and modern medicine and, and pills is something I don't think anyone should ever take lightly. If it works for you, great. I'm all for it. But there's a control structure there that needs to be represented. It needs to be represented as, hey, you know, there's an imposing of a control structure in some way. If it's something that helps and you can interact with it safely and it helps you, great. That's you imposing your willpower over theirs to control you. Perfect. There's a balance there. Just like in the Marshall situation of, you know, when I square off with someone, my purpose, my intention is typically not the harm. It's to teach or to train or to interact with or to, to help better someone or better myself. And so the imposing of my depression of my will on that thought situation is that it's sage-like it's how can I teach this person something? How can I help this person? Now their interaction with that, you know, switches or changes to how can I hurt someone else? I'll put an end to that real quick and I'll impose my willpower over top of theirs because I'm capable of doing that. I've been taught how to do that. I've trained how to do that. This gets into so many functional ideas of, you know, spiritual practice. It goes into what a lot of people consider energetic healing practices. Qi Gong, or even Qi healing, is an imposing of a will. It's defining a purpose of healing. And the qigong practitioner can do that for themselves. A qigong healing practitioner, someone who does it for someone else, has to exert themselves, their understanding of the thought the reality, over the other person's qi because they're trying to wake it up. So there's good intention there. And that's why intentions become very important. And I, I don't think I've ever really explained that transition of Going from being stuck and imprisoned, going from, you know, the, the four of cups to, you know, having maybe been fulfilled a little bit or, you know, just being bored with life or depression or melancholy, the inability to get out of bed, the, the you know, the routine just eating away at you, the, the gr- drudgery and all that stuff just, just destroying your willpower or destroying your want to take action. From that, which is mostly the imprisonment of the mind, the Eight of of Swords, to getting to the Six of Wands without needing everyone else to prove it for you. And that has to do with the Seven of Coins. Sitting back, understanding you have put in the effort, and if you... Or maybe just starting out, putting in the effort that the harvest isn't ready yet. You need to sit back. You need to continue doing what you're doing. Continue to look at your education, your belief, your language, your relationships, your emotions, what builds your reality, the choice, change, and perspective and how they interplay with each other, the mysteries and the systems of the world that you might have not have been educated about that you can start educating yourself about. How you define your truth, your identity, what depression really is, death, life, time, how they all interplay with each other, thoughts, and what humanity is, what the self is, you know, the combination of the body, the mind, and the other body, spirituality, initiations, and how we interact with all of these different understandings of them because that's what can get imposed upon us. Uh, The unknown, what else could possibly be out there, just being open to new ideas and new thought processes. What being content feels like for you. How that might build freedom in your life. What is your vox? What is your voice? Uh, what is intention and how can we be aware of it? Because that's really the key to understanding all of the different interplays that make up this thought, fa- this reality interplay, this flow. Uh, What the idea of spirituality is and what the primordials represent, chaos, creation, order, destruction, how those cycles define things and how we can interact with the cyclical nature of each, the cyclical nature of chaos, creation, order, or destruction, or how they all cycle together. Intuition and instinct and insight and how those are the spiritual representations of our senses and how they interplay with our physical senses and how we might go about better relating to them or or even just feeling them even just in the slightest regard how our imagination is the most powerful tool we have and how it is the interplay of thought and reality and flow and it is how we move from being trapped in our own minds and being in that state of depression and melancholy, no matter what outside influence comes in, no matter what is offered to us, we just sit back and we're just I'm done with it all. I'm just stuck in my own mind. The imagination is what pulls you out of that. And imagination is ruled by spirituality because it is the simulation of everything. It is the greatest power of humanity. And how then our effort is what needs to be celebrated. The victory is the culmination, the the 6 of wands is the culmination that everyone else sees. Everyone else celebrates that victory, that, you know, getting your degree, getting a new job, buying a new car. And some people want to go to war over it instead. Instead of, you know, the celebration is only inside of the people who are on your side. Other people are probably like, "Oh, this person with their you know, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, you you did this or you did, you know, just trying to show off. There are going to be people against you no matter what because they're stuck in their own world where they can't celebrate someone else's accomplishments because that makes them feel less because they're not proud of themselves in any way. They haven't looked inside yet. They are weak in that regard. And that's fine. That weakness is okay. They just need to represent it. They need to understand it. They need to look at it. That's the representation of the seven of coins sitting back, taking in what's been going on and figuring out what the plan is going to be. Do I just, I'm just going to sit back and let this harvest ripen. I'm going to continue to do the work. I'm going to continue to put in the effort. And that's how we get out of the, Four of Cups, the, the, the Eight of Wands, how we interact with the star card, the healing, the, the taking time to really figure out who we are. We put in the effort, and no one else is going to celebrate that for you. They only see the end results. You have to celebrate your own effort for yourself, or at least, at least do the Seven of Coins and, and just be aware of it put your intention into that effort to be aware of the effort you're putting in. If it's literally just picking up the piece of trash you threw on the floor because you're just so done with it and you're, you know, your abode, your home, your apartment, wherever you're living is just a, it's a disaster because you just can't be bothered because fuck it, who cares anymore? And you just, you know, take the candy wrapper or the, or the bottle of water and you just drop it on the floor. I'll get to it later. This small amount of effort, which actually seems at that time a giant amount of effort just to pick that up and put that in the trash instead of leaving it on the floor or pick up the T-shirts, pick up the underwear, pick up the, you know, stuff, all the clothing you've thrown around the floor and maybe didn't make it into the hamper or to fold the laundry to, you know, switch the laundry that day instead of waiting tomorrow and letting it get musty. Those little pieces of, inner, of effort, they're what matter. They're what get us out of that melancholy, get us out of the clinical depression. The getting up and going to the gym eventually or just going for a fucking walk. Or even just going and standing outside in the sun. As much as I'm not a big fan of the sun because it hurts my eyes. Still, just going out and getting some sunshine. Getting some fresh air. Opening the windows. Airing out the house. Doing five push-ups. Some jumping jacks. Eating a slightly healthier meal one day out of the week. Comparatively to all the other meals. These are all the starting locations, all the starting pieces, all the little things that matter. And our determination is what makes them matter. Remember, the resolving of a question by argument or reasoning, the act of deciding definitely and firmly the definition of a concept and logic by its essential constituents A fixing or finding of the position, magnitude, value, or character of something. What is your determination for yourself? Do you want to feel like shit every day? Because you're gonna. If that's your determination, if that's what you want, you can be stuck in vacillation. You can be stuck vacillating all the time. To waver in mind, will, or feeling hesitate in choice of opinions or courses you can hesitate and you can waver and you can be the problem with that situation is you can't have any ill will to someone that comes along and just manipulates the shit out of you because that's what they're going to do. You're giving them that ability. You're not interacting with the thought, the flow. You're allowing someone else to interact it on your behalf. And that's what I mean by is your depression, your depression at that point. So the first thing, first starting point, which I've never really talked about, and that's my own fault, and I'm sorry for that, has to do with this idea of purpose. And your purpose, something set up as an object or end to be attained, must be the first thing, first purpose anyone has, the first step on the road to self-awareness, the first road on the way to controlling or your understanding our mental health is to have the purpose of making your depression your own. I'll say that again. Your purpose, something set up as an object or end to be attained, the thing you're going to put your determination into, has to be to make your depression your own and not let it be anyone else's. And that's true spirituality. I finally figured it out. It took freaking forever. And I'm not saying this is the grand ultimate idea of it. This is no Tai Chi. (laughs) Um, But my newest, firmest definition of spirituality is having the purpose to make your depression your own. To be unique. To be an individual. To stand out among the billions to stand out amongst the trillions to stand out for yourself to have your own unique way of seeing the world and interacting with it and then doing everything you can to better that and control that and understand that that all comes later and that's all I've been talking about is how to better understand yourself, how to better control your mental health, how to gain more self-awareness. But unfortunately, I failed you in not telling you how to start. And to start that journey, you have to have the purpose, which will build the determination of making your depression your own not allowing someone else to impose their reality upon you. Instead, imposing your reality upon reality. Imposing your understanding of yourself on yourself. Imposing your understanding, your purpose of understanding yourself, your purpose of becoming your own unique person. Imposing that willpower, that determination on your own reality. This is all of those methods for... Um, like the how? What do they call those affirmations? This is this is the methodology of prayer, which I didn't really get into in the faith episode. I, I wanted to a little bit more. And I didn't quite get into it. It's that—that's the act of prayer. The unique personal conversations, unique personal interactions with whatever your understanding of your spirituality is. It's the link. It's what ties you to it. It's what allows you to go out and be a spiritual person. And remember, take all of the connotation off of all of this. Spirituality has nothing to do with religions. It has nothing to do with faith leaders or spiritual leaders. It has nothing to do with meditation. It has nothing to do with prayer. It has nothing to do with community services, it has nothing to do... Spirituality is your understanding of the other, of the things we don't understand, the things we can't see, where we came from, where we're going, why we're here, the answer to every why question. And to get there, the first step in self-awareness, mental health, and understanding spirituality is... To have the purpose of making your depression yours. Not leaving it up to the doctor to tell you that you have ADHD, you have anxiety, you have excessive compulsive disorder, you have PTSD, you have, yes, those are all diagnosable things and yes, you should talk to your doctors about those things and how they can help you control it. And if medication will work for you or won't work for you, or might give you the stepping off points where so you can better control it, but you can't allow them to tell you to impose their willpower of here's a medication I want you to take for the rest of your fucking life and you have no choice because you're broken. That's not the answer. That's them imposing their willpower of big pharma and their indoctrination of Western medicine on you. That's not okay. It needs to be a symbiotic relationship not saying these are bad options. But no option fits everyone. That's where the Western medicine system goes wrong. And it's really not their own fault. I'll admit that. They have to practice something that is good for everyone. Or should be, at least. And to do that, you have to make generalizations. You have to create averages. And you have to try to fit as many people into a small window as you can. And no, that's not going to work for everyone. The answer is they try to get it to work for 51 percent if I mean the, the answer is they try to get it to work for as many possible people as po- as many people as possible, but 51 percent is still good enough for them because it works for the majority 51 percent is a majority this is how insurances work it's, it's a corrupt game that had to be corrupt from the very beginning. The problem occurred when that became the BN end doll. take a pill, you'll feel better. That can't be the be-and-end-all. That doesn't work. Eastern medicine has been screaming that for centuries. Getting heated, getting on my soapboxes, as I usually do. Um, That's why the first step needs to be that it's your purpose needs to be that it's, it's your depression. You're going to take control of it. You're going to be responsible for it because it's uniquely who you are, and you should be. You are a unique, amazing individual. You are in control of one of the most complex, amazing systems probably in the universe. Our bodies do the same shit stars do on a regular basis. They also do the same things other animals do and trees do and plants do. And they do all of these chemical processes all the time without us even thinking about it. These fleshy coral reefs we live in are unfathomably amazing. We don't even know everything about them yet. We take that for granted. We choose not to understand it. I would really like to see an education system where you had to take years and years of anatomy and physiology. Really come up with a good understanding of what the body is. What genes are, how they're expressed. just the anatomy of the brain and how it's nervous how the nervous system works can change how someone understands what they're going through on a daily basis that, Oh yes, the donut makes me feel good right now, but I might feel a little shitty later and I need to balance that out in some way. Maybe I should just go for a walk, get some sunshine. Maybe I need to just pick that extra article of clothing off the floor, put it in the hamper, and then look at the hamper bag and go, oh, fuck, it's, it's full again. I got to do laundry again. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm going to grab the laundry basket and I'm going to, oh, crap, wait for work. Uh, all right. I'm going to grab the laundry basket. And I'm going to put it in my way. So when I come home, I have to I have to literally run into it. And so instead of coming home and taking off all my clothing and putting on my basketball shorts and my comfy t-shirt and curling up on the couch and watching my favorite TV show right before then. I'm going to go start this little laundry. Okay. It's, it's these little things and I've talked about them again. When I did that rundown of, you know, all those things, I was talking about every episode, you know, the education, beliefs, languages, how we use initiation, the unknown, the, the different Primordial, all those things I was talking about, those are just all the uh, episodes that I've done. Minus the sequitur and the recap episode, um, because those were kind of, I mean, they are what they were. The sequitur and the recap episode were literally just recaps of the previous episodes. So going back to how I got to this topic, and in understanding of my failure. I, I truly do believe it was a failure of mine to not have come across this quicker or to have hinted at it in some way because I clearly did this to my, myself. I clearly created a purpose to understand myself and I, I must have done it very young and not, repre- not recognized it. And that's another possibility is that you may have recognized this in your past and forgotten about it. You may have recognized... This want, this need, I think it's a, it's a spiritual need of our own to understand ourselves and where we came from, why we're here. What is our true purpose? The bigger purpose, not the little purposes of, and those are important, but like the grand purpose. Why are we here? What drives our, you know, that stuff put on my, you know, announcer voice. That want for that purpose at the young ages, I think we, 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 First interact with it is dangerous and tough. You know, in the animal kingdom, a tiger or any of the big cats, it's very, it's very easy to see when they learn their purpose, their big purpose. You know, when small lion cubs or tiger cubs, or even you know, any, again, any of the big cats. When they start first, you know, pouncing on mom's tail and, and pouncing on each other and they understand they're, they're apex predators. They are hunters. They, they learn their purpose real young and it doesn't go away. Yeah. There might be some wavering times where, you know, they don't lead the hunt or they fail, but they know their purpose. They are one of the big cats. They are one of the apex predators. We as humans, because of our are, are such a, a long process of us growing and learning and how that never ends, we often interact with the idea of purpose very young. And it's, well, it's not easy to learn, and that's often when we're the most susceptible to coercion, to corruption. I mean, at a very young age, it's very easy to push a child into thinking life's all about stuff. Life's all about toys and TVs and, and TV shows and books. And it's all about stuff, physical, physical stuff. That's what life's all about. That's, it's very easy for, I mean, like from the ages of zero to seven, around seven children are typically in a theta beta brainwave pattern situation. They don't often go into like an alpha brainwave situation. It's more of like a, a theta brainwave state, but like a higher theta where it's just like a, like a daydreaminess. And what they're doing is they're programming. They're watching and they're learning and they're simulating. You know, a lot of times I think, and I'm not a parent and, and I'm not trying to sell people how to parent. But my interactions with kids, limited as they are, um possibly because I fear them taking anything from me. Don't don't simulate what I do, kid. Um You know, it's easy to get mad at a child for doing something wrong. But from zero to seven they really have no idea right or wrong unless it was showed to them. And this doesn't necessarily go away. In fact, the training of the martial systems, ah, you didn't think I could bring this in again, did you? Uh, the training of the martial systems is that interaction. It's part of why moving meditation, getting into a theta brainwave state and learning forms and function, why doing hand-to-hand combat training and what we call touching hands, why that's an important piece of learning the philosophies behind life. Specifically from, if it's from a Buddhist standpoint, the Buddhist philosophies or any one of the other, you know, if it's Zen, Chan, um, if it's, um, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I can't remember the name of the philosophy from Salat Silagayun which is um, Indonesian tiger uh, training and sets. Um, Sikhs are often trained in that. And I don't know, I can't remember the spiritual practice there, but all of these different ancient philosophical things typically had some sort of physical interaction with them. In fact, I mean, if you just go make it broader, one step further, this is the idea of, like a ritual or spiritual practice in that sense. This is why in there's the common misconception that in the meditation world you need to like sit lotus blossom with a rigid back and or or sit zazen. Yes, these practices do work, and there there are reasoning behind them because that physical uncomfortableness, that physical interaction with the form of function, enhances it. It's not necessary though. We often put like you need to like sit in like a you know this it's just a part of the practice. It's not necessarily a key to the practice. In some cases it is, but that's a system, not the practice itself. Anyway, that physical doing that physical mimicking mirroring, that's no different than the children, you know, zero to seven, maybe, maybe it's nine, you know, trying to do what their parents do or what the adults around them do. The most unsettling thing to me about a child is the eyes. Because I pay a great deal of attention to people's eyes. Eyes tell you intention, they tell you they tell you all sorts of things. Watching people's eyes really can key you into a lot of things. Body language, yes definitely, but the eyes, you know, it's been said before and I know it's kind of cliche, but the windows to the soul. Children's eyes are unsettling to me because they don't know they're doing it, but they're trying to look into you. They're trying to look through you. They're trying to see quote unquote aura. They're trying to see you and what you're doing and they are reading and calculating and watching that dumb. They're just not trained yet. And so they want to be trained. That's their purpose. Their purpose is to say, how do I become like that big person? And then they start to, you know, later on they start to attach to what kind of big person they want to be. And that gets into a whole representation of other things that, you know, someone else is much more qualified to talk about than I am. But seeing that, seeing it in their eyes, very unsettling to me. Watching a small child's eyes, specifically like ages like one, two, three, four ish, and the way they watch adults or watch animals or what? they're paying attention. They have determination in willpower. Their reality that they're trying to build is mirroring that, is to mimic that. And that's why they often try things that they're not capable of doing. Because we're big adults. We can lift heavy things. The milk jug is literally nothing to us. I'll just pour myself a glass of milk. No big deal. To a child though, that thing's like lifting hundred pounds. So they try and they fail and they spill the milk all over the floor. You know, that cliche idea. And then we get mad at them about it. Instead of showing them, this is a little too heavy for you right now. Instead of showing them a technique that maybe will make them successful, we get mad at them. That doesn't make any sense. That's us imposing our thought, our reality upon them, that we're just going to get mad about this because we don't understand it. So it's a a misunderstanding between child and adult. Simple as that. Because that's the way I see it. How am I going to get mad at a child for trying to mimic my actions? That's why I don't interact with children a lot. Because I do a lot of stupid actions. You know? So that all has to do with purpose. Because that's their determination. Their determination is to mimic you to mirror you, to learn from you. It's the same thing animals do. Little baby cubs of any animal sort, little baby giraffes, little baby horses, little baby everything, watch their parents. That's how they learn to survive. Why would we think it's any different for a child, a human child? They just get a longer point in time to do it because we've decided that for them that they need all all this extra time. Their bodies are still growing. It takes a really long time for a human body to grow into something that's functional to be used in adulthood or in, in, in service to the community, in interacting with the community and helping the community. Like, it's crazy what a body goes through, a human body goes through from age zero, even just conception, to... Functional adulthood around 28 to 32. Oh, well, you thought I was going to say 18. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's just some stupid idea we came up with about like, this is when adults, eh, you're an adult at 18. There used to be a much before that it used to be 15, 16, it used to be 14. We've just kept pushing it back. But as far as the function of the human body, uh, you're not really an adult till probably somewhere, depending female, male, female, 28 ish male 32-ish. So somewhere in between there, 28 to 32. And why that number's is important is because every 7 to 11 years, we interchange all the cells in our body. From 7 to 11 years old, all of the cells in the body are new. We've gotten rid of all the old ones. Apoptosis, that's the body's purpose. The body's purpose is to grow, to survive, to be this coral reef we use. Our mind's purpose is to learn, to watch, to learn, to mimic. That's its determination. What about the spiritual? Right? So it's every 7 to 11. So 7 to 11, 14 to 22. And now the number gets bigger here. And then 28 to 33. So 28 to 33, I should say, instead of 28 to 32. i just kind of taking averages there. But yeah, 28 to 33. Somewhere around there. 21, 20, yeah, because you'd have four. Um, Sorry, I had to do the math in my head real quick because I know I skipped 21 for the seven years ones, but it's an average. Um, Again, going back though, so you got to think, like, really, like, physically, all right, so I've separated out mind, body, other, right? So the mind is a continuous growth pattern. It continuously builds on the last it just goes okay. More logic, more reason, more mimicking, more mirroring, more this, that, and the other thing. So the, again, the first step that I've I've never shared, nor did I have really figured out. I mean, I had figured out, but I wasn't able to share because I had done it probably so many years ago. And again, this is my own fault. I failed you in this. Our purpose must be in the mental for the mental health body. The purpose must be to be aware of and take control of our own depression. To make it ours. Our purpose must be to make our depression our own. That's where our uniqueness comes from. Because that's really what we want. We want to be unique individuals. Every child wants to be unique. Every child wants to be their own per- person. Even in the animal kingdom, like you can see personalities and things. The way one lion cub interacts with the other or, you know, You can see these things. We have that also in humanity. It's much more complex in humanity. But every child, every child's mind is trying to do that. At first, it's trying to be like its parents and its adult figures that are around it to learn, to mimic, to be a a, a functioning body. And it's, it's the learning of those things. Imagine as an adult, you didn't stop growing. How tough life would be if all of a sudden your hand was two times bigger than it is now. Like shit. I gotta learn how to do my job all over again. Cause my hands are gigantic. And it just happened over the course of like two or three years. Just like, ah, ah, crap. I used to be able to do such fine motory skills or go the other way. Maybe, you know, you lose a ton of weight or you become really flexible, how you can like do things differently. Now kids happen to do that stuff all the time. They're like, uh, my hands are far too big now to pick up the tiny little Lego brick the way I used to. Now I have to figure out a new way. Now it's frustrating and I'm mad. So I break all the Lego bricks. I leave them on the ground and I walk away. Did you look at it that way? I don't see that. This is where I'll digress a little bit purpose to attain self-awareness and to control our mental health. And to also understand our spiritualities, we must first have the purpose of making our depression our own. That's, that's the first place to start. We have to make our depression our own. With that idea, at the same time, to better understand our spirituality. And the Greeks, the Greeks were probably, the Greeks knew this the best. If I had to, if I had to pick one, the, okay. Wait a minute. The Greeks and, well, to be honest, the Shaolins, the Shaolin Temple, they really, monastic life, uh, monastic martial life. I'll put that kind of distinction on there they knew they had to train the body as well. There must be movement. There must be function. There must be action. Keep this physical form healthy. So first, our purpose must be to make our depression our own. That starts the process. That is the very beginning of the process of self-awareness. At the same time, it's also the process or beginning of, or the fruition of spirituality. Because spirituality is the driving motivation. It's the driving factor behind that need, that want, the reason the child tries to mimic and tries to grow is to have that real purpose, which is spirituality. It's the answer to that. We're just not in contact with it anymore. I'm sure at some point in history, humanity was in some way. And that's where I lack the definition of, of of what it entails. I think in this episode, I've, I've come to a little bit of a conclusion of that idea of spirituality. That the first action of it all is to have the purpose that we make our de- our depression around. And then from there we make the distinction of the physical body, the mental body, and that there's there's this spiritual body thing. And that it's always been there. And most likely a child is the one who has the most of it. A child in a theta brainwave state, I would guess is having an out-of-body experience more times than not. Because if you think about the way in which they see what we're doing and they're trying to mirror it, right? They have tiny little bodies. Tiny little bodies. But they're trying to mimic the interaction of something that's much larger than them. And thus, they have to use their imagination to put themselves into that, that projection. Why kids want to grow up? Because that's how they imagined it. why we have envy towards others, you know, the smart kid in the class or the athletic kid in the class, the popular kid in the class. We want to be that. So we try to mimic the, we try to be those things. we try to mimic those things. We try for the six of wands to get people to celebrate our victories. So that we recognize them in ourselves. Spirituality, the real part of it, has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the celebration of effort. And the way we celebrate effort is by understanding the eight of swords that we are stuck in our own minds, that we are imprisoned ourselves in our own minds. And then that often looks like the four cups, the depression, melancholy, boredom of just not having anything to stimulate us. Because it doesn't matter to me I want to see other people celebrate me. I want to be popular. I want to be important. I want to be, or maybe even the other, maybe you're more like me and you want to be left alone. You want to hide in the, but you still want some recognition, right? You still want to like, you want something to represent getting stronger, smarter. We often represent this with money, being more financially stable. And thus, that's where the seven of coins comes in. The seven of coins is that sitting back, taking in what we've done, the celebrating our effort of, all right, I've planted all the seeds, I've cultivated the seedlings, I've watered them, I've protected them, I've, you know, done all of these things and the harvest isn't quite ready yet, I can't just pick it just yet, I I gotta wait, I gotta practice patience, I gotta work on myself just a little bit more, Put in a little bit more effort. And that's a celebration of your own effort. You have to celebrate what you've already done, all the effort you've already put in without the grand achievement yet. Because once you learn how to do that, once you define that purposeful action, that determination, once you get out of vacillating, when You stop wavering in feeling or willpower, or or just wavering in your decisions, and you start having determination. You start having the resolve to question, to use questions and arguments and reasoning to to come up with an answer, to to you know to define the position, the magnitude, the value, your character of yourself. You have purpose. You have something set up as an object or end to be attained. Aha. Aha. I want to attain self-awareness. I want to train mental health. I want to attain control over myself and understanding. Answers to my why questions. And once you do that, it's the representation of the star. It's the representation of healing and and taking a step back to to understand yourself and to update your understanding to update your purpose to update what's going on in yourself and your life to to go through all of the things I've talked about. And again, I'm sorry I didn't give you the starting point. Cuz the starting point is again to have the purpose of making your depression your own. And then from there you can do all these processes. You can do the little pieces of effort which will eventually amass to the giant victory of an aha moment, but it doesn't end there. And that's why purpose is important. And it's, it's the driving factor of spirituality is to answer that question. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? Listening for those answers is so hard. I keep pushing people. I'm like, I'm pushing people into like doing some of the toughest things you can do. So when I talked about intuition, instinct, insight, talked about imagination, putting in effort. Um, I recently had a conversation with someone. Um, I was doing some business interactions with some banking and uh, the person helping me, you know, we were kind of just like conversation But we got into, essentially, I don't want to get into the full conversation, but we ended up talking about, you know, what's the plan? Where to go? You know, those types of things. And I commented that I feel like I'm on borrowed time. It to me is borrowed time because... I was actively suicidal for so long. And I did so much stupid crap that I I probably should have been dead. Or, or I say should have, but there had to have been some intervention of some sort. Something weaved me down this path. And there's always possibilities. This isn't, I don't believe in a set fate path or anything like that. But one of the things that became really important along the way is, is I started to learn to listen. This is really what changed my life as far as martial arts goes. The interactions I had in a martial arts setting taught me one very specific skill that it took me a really long time to actually start to use in more than just a physical setting. And then start using it in a mental setting. To start using it in a spiritual setting, and that is to listen. My purpose, in a lot of cases, like when I draw these, you know, when I draw the tarot cards to do these episodes now, is to to listen to what the universe is trying to say. This is the act of Chan Buddhism. This is the act of Zen Buddhism. This is the act of... Everyone has their different methodologies going about it, but the principal action of expressing one's essence, to use a complex, misconceived word, is to listen. One of the purposes of human existence, in my personal opinion is to cultivate the ability to listen. And I don't mean verbally, although that is one way. But to listen to what the universe is telling you. To listen to what your interactions, your inner voice, your intuition, your instinct. To listen to all these other or spiritual senses. To connect with them. Because I think we have them when we're children. That's why I brought up that whole representation. I think we have them when we're kids. And we we lose them. And we have lost them as a society. We have lost them as a, a, a humanity. And in doing so, we impart that on our children. We impart on them the lack of imagination. We impart on them the inability to be spiritual without... A religious defined contextual nature without that imposing of someone else's willpower, imposing of someone else's thought, their reality. We don't have that, so it's almost nearly impossible for us to teach that in a way in which isn't an active teaching. Remember, kids are passively learning, they're watching and mimicking and mirroring and learning, doing that. So we've kind of lost the ability to do that. So we have to actively teach it and we don't, we really don't. So one of the things that you can advance your purpose with, or understanding of your purpose, the bigger purpose is by learning this action of listening. And that's what I try to do with the tarot cards. And that's what I try to do with my, my work, you know, as a intuitive body worker, a licensed massage therapist, I, I listened to the needs of my clientele, but I also listened to the needs of the the community. The way in which I had to listen to get to where I am now was to realize just how unhappy I was in the job setting I was doing. I was very unhappy as an accountant. It did not fit me very well. I've also experienced frustrations for years in the job places I've worked, you know, in kitchens and restaurants, you know, as working in bars and, and doing manual labor stuff, landscaping and construction and and little parts of it, those led, led me astray in some cases. I, I, you know, I learned, oh, I really liked, I like working with my hands. You know, I probably could have been fulfilled in, in carpentry or or something along those lines. I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of customer service, but I do like helping other people. I take some joy out of that. But oftentimes all I saw was my misery. I was I was the eight of the eight of swords. I was stuck in my own mind, and that bred a very big four of cups situation. It's odd when I pick these cards and they represent things that I've been through so specifically that I can actually speak on them in that nature. Um, And it took me a really long time to do the seven of coins to sit back and to, to wait and to, to reap what I sowed, to, to put in that effort and not have to rely on the six of wands, the, someone else celebrating my victory, to be important to someone else, to allow their their opinion of me to define me. And that was my star card moment. That was my, or one of my star card moments, was to have that healing respect, to have that, oh, I can do this for myself. I can have my own purpose. I can make up my own purpose, my own understanding, my own determination, my own will. I can apply myself to the thought, the reality around me. And that's when I started to learn how strong I am in that regard, and that I need to be careful with it because I'm one of those people that can manipulate others and I do my best not to, to be aware of that situation. Faults and boons, you got to be aware of both sides. You can't just pick one or the other, but also just stop vacillating, to stop being wavery in my, my decisions and my opinions and my ideas and to build upon that idea of faith. And to explore this idea of spirituality, which is where we are now in this conversation, and how important it really is. And that I've always, it's always been there, I've always had it, it just got lost. And it's important to define it for ourselves. And no one, including me, gets to tell you how that gets defined. And that's a really important distinction when it comes to purpose. Because just like having the purpose of making your depression yours is the stepping off point into self-awareness and mental health and, and, and all of that, everything I've talked about, understanding purpose is the stepping off point into spirituality. And again, I think we started that when we were kids and got lost or, or, or confused or grayed out along the way, you know, pixelated. And that's part of the journey. That's what the tarot deck defines, the journey of the fool. And starting, with, starting from that position of having lost their way and, and being a fool in the world to understanding themselves and then going through the cyclical nature of, of defining all that. So, it's interesting to look at these divination processes like the tarot deck or the philosophical processes of Chan Buddhism or Zen Buddhism or, you know, the more culturally defined ideas of Hinduism. Um, even the spiritual practices of certain religions like Sikhs and their practice of the pillars of Islam. And looking at. The way, the way human existence has shaped itself that we forget about or have forgotten about, or or don't want to look at, what is the purpose of humanity? Why do humans exist? At some point in time, we have to come to the conclusion we have some say in that. We can't just keep looking for an answer. So as I started in the beginning of this episode when I said, the answer is there's no answer. It's something we have to come to grasp with, we have to, we have to wrestle with, we have to fight with, we have to understand, we have to accept, inevitably. Specifically when it comes to purpose, when it comes to spirituality. The answer is there's no answer. You can't have an answer to something that's always been there. Humans have always been spiritual beings. No, we don't have scientific definitions for that or or definement. We don't have ways in which of interpreting it in some cases, but we've always been spiritual beings. Always. This is just, these physical representations are what we we focus on so heavily and every one of these practices from Chan Buddhism to Zen Buddhism to even Ayurvedic medicines all of these systems prayer they're all a letting go of the physical to understand something else and that's the practice of listening listening you know I hesitate to get into this, this conversation because I don't like the vernacular. I don't like the terminology. I think it gives too much connotation. I think people take it the wrong way. When you say, like, called to do something, called to action, that the universe has swayed you in some way. These are the words that people use in the big religions, in the big spiritual communities to manipulate and coerce people. That's why I don't like them. So instead I like to say, like, what is the, what? listen to what the universe is trying to tell you. In my case, it's trying to tell me to teach, to 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 express, to make people look at things differently, to get people to think. I don't wake people up, people wake themselves up just like I don't heal people, I just remind their body what to heal. And at the same time it betters me. So it is a it's a it's a community it's a it's a balanced relationship, I believe. And sometimes I fail at, at, at not expressing things correctly or reaching everyone or, you know, sharing something that wasn't simple but was the simple answer to where to start and not telling someone this is how you start. You know, I thought it was looking at education, beliefs, language, relationships, emotions to build your own reality. Well, in fact, I didn't realize the reality could have already been corrupted and you can't start if your reality is already not yours, you know? And I knew that. I knew that from my martial training. I knew I could impose my thought upon someone so that they wouldn't even try to fight me. I could win without fighting. So this this intrinsical, deep understanding of the world around us and our purposes has always been there. It's spiritual by nature. Spirituality has always been there. We just have to better incorporate it into our own personal depressions, which is why purpose is important. And updating our purpose along the way is really important. Again, starting with the purpose of making your depression yours. That's where it starts. And then that determination gets applied time and time again, to continuing on that effort. This is what allows great people to do great things. It doesn't define why they're great people, though. The effort is what makes a great person, not their achievements. That's what these cards that I picked today are telling all of us we look at the end results and sometimes we don't even question them. That's wrong action, wrong thinking. So we get stuck in this situation where we measure greatness on achievement and not effort. Some of the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life. The biggest failures. It's all the effort they put into their purpose, their determination, becoming their own person. No, I don't agree with all their opinions and their ways of doing things, but that's all personal shit. The person I met at doing my business transactions at the bank. Probably measures up to be a great person. She clearly put in a lot of effort and continues to do so. Just in the, you know, five minutes of personal conversation I interacted with You look at someone's eyes, you can tell these things. There's a clarity. There's a, there's determination in the eyes themselves. And yet you can sometimes tell when that person doesn't quite see it yet. And that can be healthy too. That can, you know, that can lead to achieving more and putting in more effort. But sometimes when I look into people's eyes, I wonder, what do they see? And not what they see, you know, they look at me or look at something. What do you see in the mirror? What do you, what do you see when you look at your things you've accomplished? Like, what do you see when you look at your own effort? Cause that's important to purpose. Something set up as an object or end to be attained not already attained, not already achieved. It's a subject under discussion or an action in course of execution. This is the practice of effort. To have purpose is to practice effort. And it's what we should be celebrating. It's what we should be telling people to accomplish, to achieve, is to look back and see that they did that. I had purpose. I had determination. You can ultimately fail. That's fine. As long as you learn from it, that's fine. Remember, Repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. You got to keep repeating, keep failing, learning, and doing better and better and better. If an artisan is making something, Do they just make it good enough because then you get a good enough artisan or do you get the excessive compulsive that constantly try to make something better? And these are the individuals that we classify as being great people, great artists, great creators, great quote unquote rulers. They just kept putting in more effort and having more, their purpose was to be better. And it probably drove some of them mad. Yet history writes them as great. Based on their achievements. So yes, it can equivalate. Greatness can be based on achievement, but we don't look at the effort that went into that. Some of the greatest writers in all of history wrote 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 manuscripts before they got published. When we quote people, we never think about all the stupid shit they've probably said. We just quote the good stuff. Oh, that's a good quote. I like that. They've fumbled over their words in a speech before. They've forgotten punctuation. Like, they've messed up. They have they didn't just like magically just like, oh, I'm just going to come up with this great quote right now. It doesn't just have. We just, you know, that's all decided by the public. It's very rare that someone makes a great quote because that was a great quote. Someone's going to quote me on that. That doesn't really happen very often. That's why purpose is important. Because it's a subject under discretion or an action in course of execution. Something set up as an object or an end to be attained. Without purpose, we stop wanting to live. And I've been there. It's a tough place. It's different for everyone. That's why that's when I learned part of what I learned. Depression is uniquely who someone is because you can't relate it. You can understand some of the feelings, some of the actions, you know, there is connection you can make, can have connection, but it's nearly impossible to understand. When someone gets to the point that they they think they have no purpose, it's um, I can't even tell you about it because you don't you don't come up with descriptions at that point when you've essentially lost the will to live there's no necessity to like define what's going on, to be able to talk about it. And that's when I have to stress. The purpose at that point must be to make your depression your own. When all else is lost, when there is no other option, Rock bottom is the rockiest thing ever. It's the bottom. It's the rock. There's, there's The floor has collapsed. There is no even like rock bottom anymore. There's just an empty pit below the rock bottom. You're on like a ledge and the floor has disappeared. That's when the determi- the, the, the purpose must be to make your depression your own. There's no other choice. That's it. But I can't make it for you. And that says everything. Simply by making your purpose to understand your own depression, to make it yours, to not believe anything I've fucking told you, to even have that adverse reaction, to be like, you know what, Phil, screw you. You're wrong. You've simply made that decision. It means you've stopped vacillating. You've stopped wavering. Now you have determination. The act of deciding definitely and firmly that you're going to pursue this purpose. And that purpose can entail making your depression your own, being uniquely your own person, whatever that might look like be reverent in it, to, to, to be content in it. And then to keep delving deeper, to look at what your spirituality might entail, how your mind interacts with things and all the things I've discussed so far in this podcast, to build your own faith. While also understanding the differentiations and how, yes, you are an omnipotent, godlike presence over this physical body. That is one purpose. Live. It's, that's, that's the purpose of the human system is to live, to function, to do what we tell it. It does that all the time. Even in the extremes, like hypothermia, someone plunging into freezing cold water the body does everything it can to keep you alive without you wanting it to even when we forcibly try to harm ourselves when the suicide attempt is made the body's purpose is to keep on living clot the blood stop the bleeding Compress the lungs. Try to keep breathing. Speed up the heart. Keep blood moving. Protect the organs. Take it away from the hands. Protect the brain. Take it away from the organs. That's the purpose of the physical body, is to live. The mind gets to decide how that happens. And if it does get to continue to happen, the spiritual body is the in perpetuity. This is the conversation of reincarnation. The conversation of what happens after the physical life. The scientific representation of energy can never be destroyed, it can only be redistributed. That's universal purpose. And yes, the universe has some sort of purpose. It could be, even though it's an oversimplification, it could be as simple as the body continuing to live. Maybe the universe is just doing the same thing that it just wants to continue to live, keep expanding, keep creating. More suns, more planets, more, more everything. Keep moving. Although we might sit on the couch, the universe is ever in motion. So this conversation of purpose is—it's big and small, but it's principle. Everything has purpose. Everything. That is one of the first teachings of all Zen Buddhism and Chan Buddhism. They teach it a little bit differently. Zen is more you're connected to everything. Chan is more you are everything. Greater greater canon, lesser canon. Mahayana, Vishnana. but it's one of the first teachings. Everything has purpose. What's yours? That's all I got for you on this one. Um, The calls to action that I have to keep remembering and doing. If you want to support the podcast, you can head over to taminghindrances.com, over to the archive or off to purebulk.com. And use uh, code TamingHindrances for 10% off your order. Um, I get a small commission on all the sales. That helps out the podcast. Um, if you really want to help out the podcast, I could definitely use some reviews on your platform of choice Spotify, Apple, um, I guess it's iTunes. Uh, just about anywhere that you listen to podcasts if you want to send a review. Uh, what else? What else? That's it. Check out the archive leave me a review, even if it sucks. Um, although I guess that wouldn't really help me out, but maybe it will. I can learn something from it. Uh, yeah, head over to PureBulk.com, buy some stuff. They're just like the best company I've ever worked with. Um, and their products are amazing. So that's it. I'll, uh, I'll consult the cards again for another episode and, uh, I'll talk to you on the next one. Take care. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. But go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.